Paratooth Radio is a proud member of Evergreen Podcasts on KillerPodcast.com. Christian and non-Christian paranormal investigators. They have two different views, and it seems as if neither of them can ever agree on anything. So what happens when a mainstream view of the paranormal crosses paths with the Christian view? <laughs> Something What's going on, ladies and gentlemen? Welcome to a brand new episode of Paratruth Radio. My name is Justin. And tonight we've got a very special episode for you guys. Uh, we're going to be doing a series about the investigations we did while Eric was out here. Uh, we did technically four investigations, but we're going to link Sims, North Dakota and uh, St. Mary's Cemetery here in Bismarck together for this episode. And then uh, we're going to talk about Riverside Cemetery and then Trollwood Park in Fargo. And Riverside Cemeteries in Fargo as well. But uh, yeah, first and foremost, uh, I honestly loved doing the, these investigations. Uh, it was kind of reminiscent of our beginnings into the paranormal. Um when when we were going to do these investigations, was there any expectations for you as far as what we would get or anything like that? Yeah. So, I mean, you know how it is. You, you kind of really with any paranormal investigation, you get your hopes up, you get there, you get audio, video, take it home, and then you're let down because you really don't find anything. And that's unfortunately happens all too often. Uh, so I can't say I really got my hopes up too much. I was more excited about just being in the moment you know doing the investigation again having the gear with us uh and maybe shooting some little videos which i did as you know uh we've told everybody so there will be a documentary coming out probably closer to october because i do want to release a series uh, of episodes uh for halloween so be looking forward to that uh but yeah you know i mean i think I think there's some expectation in hopes, I guess, that there we would catch something like, oh, this is our first time back in how many years uh, right. together, at least. And, uh, you know, I, I think there's a bit of excitement in that that can actually help stir up paranormal activity, really, because you get that, that energy going. Right. Well, uh, something that we didn't think about uh, when we had first started, we didn't think about it until we got to trollwood park is and i know people will scoff at it but we there's a couple of apps out there that kind of mimic the same basic concept as a ghost box um or a spirit box and so i had it on my phone didn't think to use it um until you had mentioned something about it and we really should have in sims just because there was a lot of wind that day um mm -hmm. On the recordings, we we did pick up a lot of wind and uh, nature sounds and stuff like that. So, I I think really uh, what we can do is just go into the history of Sims North Dakota 
And then uh, we'll just kind of go into what evidence we have or not have, um, personal experiences and stuff. So, since I live here, I figured I'd give the quick, brief history. Not in Sims, unfortunately. That'd be awesome, because it's just nobody You'd be the only there. one there. <laughs> yeah. That'd be dope. <laughs> so, uh, Sims is considered a ghost town here in North Dakota. We actually have several here. Uh, and what that basically means is nobody lives in this town. Um, people live around it, but it's a very small um, territory as far as the the city limits is concerned. But uh, it was actually founded in 1883, uh, and the church that was there was founded uh, close to that time. Uh, it was a coal town. And coal mining in ta- the town's brickyard helped Sims grow to a population of more than a thousand people. However, by 1910, literally 20 years later, uh, the census recorded a population of only 86 people. The population fluctuated over the years with an estimated 98 people in 1940. Uh, the post office was founded in 1983 when the town was founded but closed in 1947 with its mail routed through Almont, North Dakota, which is just south of there. Uh, The Lutheran Church was built in 1884, uh, along with a residence for, I'm assuming, the pastor. It doesn't say that, but usually that's how it went. Um, And then a new church was built in 1896 uh, for the parsonage, and they just kind of moved everything to the new church, which is what's still standing there now. the church is reportedly North Dakota's oldest Lutheran church west of the Missouri River. The congregation still has roughly 50 members, even though they do not live in Sims. Locals report, however, that the town does have one remaining resident, that of a former pastor's wife who died between 1916 and 1918. Uh, she is now known as the Grey Lady. Uh her spirit is reported to haunt the old parsonage, wandering the rooms and playing the organ. Uh, the last residence in Sims, a mobile home in the center of town, was occupied in 2005, but it looked vacant by 2010 and was removed by 2012. And, interestingly enough, uh, First Lady Laura Bush visited Sims, toured the church, and uh, through the audio tour the we had kind of listened to had deemed that it was her favorite and last stop on her tour throughout the U S. Um, so it was really interesting just going there and kind of knowing the history and listening to this little, uh, audio trail recording. But, uh, the first thing we did when we got there and, uh, Eric, correct me if my memory is, failing me but uh, we went over to the the house that is still standing in sims uh there's only one residence that is of course dilapidated now but for the most part is in relatively good condition like not completely falling apart so i thought that was interesting in and of itself when i first visited there uh several years ago and it really hadn't changed a whole lot when eric and i went so, um, what were your first thoughts when we got to the to the house there, Eric? Yeah, I mean, it was exciting for sure. 
uh, and you know, it is kind of like what you would expect to see in a ghost town, this dilapidated uh, building that was just really rugged. Everything was kind of torn up inside. You could still see the stairs leading up, um, you know, leading up to the second floor. And there's still some furniture in there that was really cool and really just kind of banged up. Uh, so it really gave the vibe of this is the type of place that could be haunted, you know. Uh, we even found, because we weren't sure if there was a basement, and we ended up finding a cellar, or what we think was a cellar, uh, which is also kind of cool. Uh, so I, I got to say that I was definitely pretty psyched when we pulled up, because that was my first time there. I didn't even see pictures before pulling up to the location. Uh, so just getting there was a surprise to me. Uh, but I was definitely excited, of course, to get out and start doing the actual investigation. Yeah, uh, I, out of all of it, I think we were both just really happy to be doing paranormal investigations again. <laughs> yeah, well, but, you know, for Sims, there, I mean, anyone who listens to the show, I think, would understand that it's not always just about the paranormal side of some of these locations. It's actually actually the history that you and I really enjoy. Right. Uh, you know, walking in the footsteps of these same people were back in the early 1900s, late 1800s. Uh, who knows what, like we found some interesting stuff there and all we could do is speculate as to what it was and how it was used back in the early uh, days of the, of the town. Uh, and there's just something so cool about that. Cause it's like, when you bring, you know, the parallel timelines together, for example, uh, you can kind of see us standing in the middle of what is currently a ghost town, but surrounding us is a very thriving little town, uh, of coal miners and the likes, you know, farmers who, who had lived there and built it. Right. So the interesting thing about the house, uh, I thought for sure we would, we would catch some pictures. I did not see anything in the pictures. I believe you didn't find anything visually as well, right? Nope. Unfortunately not. Um, we, we did do some recordings, just kind of placing the recorder in the windowsills. Uh, you, I, I would love to have went into this house and gone up the stairs and stuff, but the the foundation of the the wood there, uh, I didn't trust. Um, I I don't I wouldn't want to put anybody's life at risk to try and get evidence, of course. But uh, unfortunately, in the house, did not get any recording evidence either. Uh, but I did have a personal experience there um, it, at the house. And it was rather interesting because I had a very, I don't know how to describe it other than a powerful presence that I, that I was feeling there. Um, when we first got there, it was just, I was feeling it. Something was there. Um, we did try and talk to whoever it was. And I don't know, it was what, maybe 10 15 minutes mm -hmm. after we were doing stuff, um, I started feeling sick to my stomach. Um, and I hadn't before then. After we were done with the house, I didn't feel it after that. But it was interesting just because of that personal experience. Now, granted, I hadn't drank a lot of water that day. It was warm, but it wasn't stifling hot possibly dehydration sure uh just because my skeptical mind does try and rationalize what it is i do feel and what was going on there but um 
just because it started when we got to the house and after we were done, it was over. Uh, it really begs into the question of that was definitely a personal experience in my opinion. Um, if people want to try and debunk that, I, I would love to hear people's thoughts, but that was kind of my personal experience. Eric, if I'm correct, you weren't feeling anything at the house, correct? No, uh, there, there's really nothing at all. It's just, you know, nature. <laughs> <laughs> And a couple of we, horses that were really eyeing me down. They're they're could right. be out. <laughs> yeah. Um that and that's when we had brought this up on the uh abandoned stairs episode that we did live. Mm -hmm. That there was a there's a, a set of stairs on the other side of this fence where the horses were, just stairs, nothing else. Uh you can't get close enough to see if there's any foundation or anything like that. So it's interesting just because we don't know what it led to. Uh, I'm sure it was probably a home. Maybe it was the stairs to the mobile home that they were talking well, about. No, I don't I don't think so. It did appear that there was a foundation there laying deep in the grass. I could tell when I looked over uh, over the fence uh, that was surrounding the, the field that there was certain. I mean, obviously, the stairs were clear as day. But right below the stairs, you can see a little bit of a relatively large hole and concrete surrounding it. So my guess is it's what's left of the foundation of whatever house was there. Because the, the, the stairs themselves were concrete. That's not usually something you would have with a mobile home. Uh, so that is something to consider. So I think it actually was a house. My guess is it was there at some point. But whoever bought that property, because you said that the horses weren't there originally, nor was the fence. So probably whoever bought that property ended up taking down the home uh, to make more room, you know, for, for the animals. Although I don't know why they wouldn't have covered up the hole because I could see a horse getting hurt. If well, that house still was dilapidated the first time I was there and saw it too. There was no house there. It was just oh, the stairs. Yeah. So I don't know then, you know, it, I mean, <laughs> definitely it, it was a house. It wasn't like a mobile home or anything like that. And it was, there was definitely foundation there as well. Okay. Uh, so, I haven't been able to find any photos of it. Like the only photos I can find online of Sims uh, is of course the relatively recent ones, nothing really from the early 1900s. So I don't really know how built up uh, the town was aside from what we've seen. Right. Yeah. Cause there, you really couldn't see any other home foundations or, I mean, there were a couple of dilapidated houses off in the distance that we couldn't get to and stuff like that. But um for a thousand uh, up to a thousand people when it was thriving, you would think you would see at least hundreds of homes. Yeah. And actually go figure, you know how we talk about talking things into existence. <laughs> that just happened. I found a picture here <clears throat> actually on a digital horizons life on the Northern plains. And right here we have a picture of Sims, North Dakota uh, of its original date, uh, which was 1890 to 1899. And there are there is a photo here, one single photo, black and white, uh, actually more of a, what do you call it? Like a... Uh, sepia? Yes, more of a sepia photo. And there, yeah, I mean, there's a lot. I think I see the house that we had visited uh, and then there was a lot more. There's like a little downtown area uh, further down the hill. Oh, yeah. 
Look at that. And there was a railroad at one point, it looks like. It looks like it. So, <laughs> interestingly enough, what happens with a lot of these ghost towns is once the railroad comes through, that's when people start leaving. Because then there's a way to get out of the town. Um, granted, I don't know if this was just for the coal, if there was a uh, train that took passengers or anything like that, but um, yeah, there was a like a really tall building there at one point. I'm assuming it must yeah. have been maybe the the mayor's home or uh, maybe some shops or something. Now I want to go back and try and find all this stuff, <laughs> right? Because <laughs> <laughs> it it actually looks like the road that we were on for the house kind of goes mm -hmm. even even further down where we could have found more stuff. So yeah. Um, we, I mean, we definitely do need to go back because we did not get any audio in any of the spots that we went and we visited the house, uh, the church, and then there was this weird bridge behind the church that we saw. Um, so we'll kind of get into that now because we moved from the house after I was kind of feeling sick to my stomach. That's pretty much where we ended for the most part with the investigation of the house. Uh, we went over to the church, kind of looked at the um, kind of preliminary of the church and the little residence that's next to it, which, as far as I'm aware, is, was the pastor's home. And then we, uh, I, I started walking towards this bridge, whatever it is. I don't even know what it is. Um, and I don't know why. But after going to see it, I kind of understand why, because something was drawing me there and then Eric came over and he started having experiences there. Um, again, no, nothing on recording. Uh, unfortunately with the wind being as high as it was, uh, even if we would have caught something, it was first off, it was hard to listen to the recording. Secondly, uh, that wind might've drowned out anything that we would have heard anyways. Uh, then again, it could have been used by the spirits to communicate as well. But Eric, I wanted, because you had more of an experience on this spot than I did, so I wanted you to give that experience. Yeah, so, I mean, I, I followed you, uh, simply just interested to know what it was, because it did look like a bridge, but I wasn't exactly sure. Uh, and sure enough, it was a bridge. It even had stairs leading up it. I don't know if those stairs were added later or what, but... Um, it was an interesting little spot, right? Uh, it was kind of almost seemed to be there for no reason whatsoever. Uh, so we had to speculate. And we thought uh, after doing the, like investigating the surrounding area, that maybe there was some sort of water flow because uh, this was like right towards the base of the hill. So if we were to look up the hill, there very well could have been water flowing down and passing underneath this bridge and going down into this into the town. Um, and you can even see a little ravine underneath it, a very small ravine, mostly filled in, uh, but nonetheless, some sort of path that was left over. Now, the bridge itself is nothing spectacular. I mean, it's concrete and steel, uh, really nice bridge actually for how old it is but mm -hmm. what was really weird was the experience that i had felt now i am sensitive to an extent i i, I consider myself 
um, uh, a, a discerner. I have a lot of discernment in terms of spiritual entities. So, for example, if I were to drive past what is a negative haunted house or a house haunted by a negative entity, uh, I can feel it. I could feel its presence uh, pretty easily. Now, that discernment or that sensitivity tends to only be focused towards the negative entities. If I were around something that's just, you know, I guess kind of balanced or normal, like your typical human spirit, uh, I wouldn't feel much of anything not at all. We've been in plenty of haunted spots where Justin, you felt stuff and we've witnessed things based on your feelings. Uh, in fact, we, we had gone and investigated uh, Ghost Alley here in Northeast Ohio. You had experienced things uh, that were to the T uh, based on what the investigators knew that we were working with. And I saw shadow people uh, running around or at least shadow manifestations. Um, mm. But anyway, it, it was interesting because I do typically feel negative entities unless it's something of very high positive power like God uh, or an angelic being. But with that said, everything seemed normal until I got to exactly the center of the bridge. Now, when I got to the center of this bridge, and I mean dead center, I got this vice-like tightening around like in my chest like right where my heart is on my sternum uh it, I, it's the only way i can explain it is like there was a vice on my sternum it's just slight like lightly tightening uh, it wasn't painful or anything like that but it was interesting <laughs> i guess that's the best word i could use it's just interesting it was weird mm -hmm. um when i tend to feel entities uh or negative hauntings I usually get that kind of tightening either in my sternum or my lower chest. And then I also feel the heaviness of the atmosphere, uh, both in my breathing and in my head. It's got a foggy feeling in, in my mind. Now, I didn't feel the fogginess and I didn't feel the head, like the thick atmosphere. I just felt this tightening grip. Uh, and at first I thought it was nothing of it. I just kind of, you know, blew it off, but I passed the center and ignored it. And when I came back to the center, I felt the tightening again. And that's when I realized, wait a second, that's odd. That's twice that I've passed the center and got this tightened, this vice-like grip uh, on my sternum. So then of course we had to investigate it. We had to figure out what it was. And I did a full, you know, I did a full circumference 360 all the way around the center, stepping in and out of the center, uh, moving from one side of the bridge, crossing to the other side, and then vice versa, uh, both the length and the width of the bridge. And every time I stepped foot into the exact same spot on this bridge, my, you know, I would get that vice-like grip on my sternum. Now, I don't know what it was or what it could be. Of course, we have uh, our own speculations uh, and it's something that is both going to show up in the documentary and what we've, I don't know if we, I don't think we've shared it yet, but we're going to share it now. But the idea at least is that there's a possibility that there's either is or at least a remnant of a portal of some sort, a spiritual portal, most likely. Um, you know, there, there is belief that moving water when con conducts this type of energy source that can actually open up portals, uh, especially on bridges, which is why bridges are so often haunted uh, throughout the United States and around the world. So the speculation is since there was once running water, flowing, or at least that we believe underneath this bridge, it could have been a conductor and created this kind of 
portal, the spiritual portal, or maybe some other type of portal uh, in the center of this bridge. And I was feeling at least the remnants of it or what was left of that portal. Uh, you know, when a door, quote unquote, is open, you often need to shut that door before walking away. You know, that goes for seances and Ouija boards and simply asking questions during an investigation. Uh, you always have that initial, hey, that introduction, I'm Eric, you know, this is Justin, we're here to talk to you. But when we leave an investigation, we always say, we thank you for your time. We appreciate uh, any, you know, inconvenience we may have caused you. We appreciate your, 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 um, you know, your patience with us, uh, but you are not allowed to walk with us. You're not allowed to come with us. You're not allowed to enter our vehicles. Uh, we are here now by closing the door and saying goodbye. And you say goodbye and boom, done, door shut. Sometimes these doors open naturally. You don't necessarily need somebody to do it. When you have running water, uh, especially in particularly water flowing through the earth, uh, like a river system, they can become conductors and create its own spiritual energy or energy that'll basically empower spirits. Um, that's why many of our most haunted locations in our country uh, are actually near bodies of water. You know, um, you, know you, you think of Savannah, Georgia, being the most haunted city in America and is often claimed to be the most haunted city in the world. It lies right on a body of water or a river that's constantly running. It could be providing energy, energy for the spiritual entities that are there. Um, same thing with Cleveland. It's haunted areas. You have two rivers, a canal, Ohio River, and Lake Erie all surrounding right. uh, you know, this one city. So you're going to have hauntings there. Uh, North Dakota, you don't have as much, but... What I did notice is that there was a, a ravine with a river running through Sims, North Dakota as well. Uh, and it, we could have followed it. I think we did follow it right around the bend until we turned up to Sims Cemetery. Uh, so there is water flowing through there. And, and, you know, we see that in Tennessee and, in, and there's places in California. All these haunted spots seem to have an energy source that is water. Uh, so... You know, again, this is mostly speculation. We can only assume that water truly is capable of creating these types of energy sources that empower spirits or some sort of entities. Uh, but of course, there's no physical evidence of it. So paranormal. Right. Right. Well, and we also don't know if maybe somebody went out there, used a Ouija board or did some type of seance, uh, summoning, whatever, and didn't close the door like you said, oh, you know, you're supposed for sure. to. Sure. I mean, absolutely. There's always that possibility. Um, I mean, even just joking, you, you know, people, how many times have I joked, me and my sisters, with the Ouija board, and that turned out really bad. <laughs> we <laughs> haven't used a Ouija board since. Um, and, and in all seriousness, I mean, even when I was joking there at Sims, because I did have a little joke, and actually, it reminded me when I listened to the EVPs earlier today, or the uh, the I don't want to say EVPs, so I didn't catch any EVPs. But when I was listening to the recordings, it, it reminded me that I did ask you at one point because there was a crossroads <laughs> at the church, <laughs> and I said, "Hey, do you want to summon a crossroads demon?" I mean, you know, there there is usually a certain uh, certain events that need to take place to do that kind of thing, 
But nonetheless, there's a demon or an entity or whatever, you know, listening, they might take that as an invitation, you know? So at least in terms of being a paranormal investigator and being spiritually aware, you always have to take those precautions and realize that there are possibilities of entities attaching themselves to you just based on the little things that you say. Uh, So during an investigation, make sure you're thoughtful of the words that you're speaking and understand that everything can open a door, especially when an entity is trying to pry at that door. Right. Well, and when I was up on the, the same platform, um, after a while, I started to wonder if maybe it was more of kind of like a parking spot for a carriage or something, just because it didn't have the full bridge. It didn't look Mm -hmm. like anything had broken off of that bridge, but there was land leading up to one side, and then down the other side was just the stairway. So to me, that almost kind of feels like a parking thing, not a bridge, but it did seem like it was over some water or something just because there was something underneath it, uh, space underneath it. Um, I did not feel as intensive a feeling there as I did at the house. Um, I almost felt like there was like a residual thing going on there. Um, But I did kind of do some uh, experimentation. I put my hand in the spot that we thought it was kind of went numb. I moved it and it, and it went away. Uh, I did it again. Same thing happened It went numb, moved it. It went away. Uh, But that spot did not really have as much uh, in feeling as uh, on my side. Uh, so after that, we went over to the house. We took some pictures there. We went over to the church. Um, again, I felt just kind of more of a residual thing. Did not feel a uh, strong spirit or anything like that. Like they're talking about the gray lady haunting there. Um, we didn't hear any music being played inside. Really couldn't hear anything over the wind. But... Right. Um, Eric didn't have any feelings at the church uh, as far as what he was feeling compared to on the bridge. So we kind of did a quick investigation with the church because you couldn't get inside. Um, We could only investigate around the, the outside. And again, no recordings whatsoever. Uh, that's where they say the gray lady is in the church, but I almost feel that she's probably roaming the entire grounds because um, most paranormal investigators will tell you most spirits are not bound to a specific area. Um, Which is why they follow you home anyway. <laughs> right. In the first place. Right. <laughs> so we ended up uh, just kind of wrapping it up at the church and then went up to the cemetery Again, no real major feelings for me. Um, I don't think there really was for you, correct? No, um, no, yeah, no, no weird feelings. Uh, it's just a interesting place, though. There were some, yeah. Now, I mean, okay, maybe I'm blowing things out of proportion. Maybe this is a storyteller <laughs> side, you know, of of me, and even Justin, because we we discussed it there. But there were these odd holes at the cemetery just random holes yeah and 
initially I thought maybe there were like infant zombies crawling up out of the graves, <laughs> baby zombies. <laughs> um, Cause there you know, were a lot I mean, of infant burials there. There were, uh, there, but there were, a lot, there was a lot of things cause there were a lot of greats there too, which is really kind of weird. Um, now there was also, there could be a reason behind it. There, there was a irrigation system also in the cemetery. Uh, now we did notice there was a little spot that was kind of, it was chained off uh, toward the back center of the cemetery. And I think if I'm not mistaken, there was a, um, what do you call them? A, like a spigot there, right? There was a water pump. Yeah. But yeah, I, I thought you were pump. talking about the grave that we saw that had the, chain link around well that too, there. that too yeah absolutely um and some broken wood in there so i you know i maybe these vents and holes have something to do with the irrigation system i don't know exactly why there needs to be one maybe it's just old and nobody's yeah. you know removed it um but yeah and then of course justin had just brought it up there was a a single grave there with extra fencing around or as like a chain link uh chain linked iron um mm. That, that was kind of surrounding it now that's not the this wasn't my first time seeing something like this i've seen it in virginia and i've also seen it in georgia uh, and in some cases depending on who the person is you know that passed away the the, the relatives kind of want to separate them from the rest so they end up chaining it up the other is superstition that plays into it you know we, we all know why or at least most of us know why uh iron vent gates are often encasing the the graveyard you know there's this old wives tale this old belief uh that iron is capable of stopping spirits from crossing from one side to another uh by basically zapping its energy or absorbing it uh Mm -hmm. you know iron is one of those pure substances and when it comes to protecting yourself from entities or draining them of energy, you want a pure substance, iron, salt, things like that. Hey, if you love supernatural like we do, you combine the two together. Sometimes you just dip it into, you know, iron into a salt water and you're good to go. Uh, but yeah, you know, so there are those things. And with that superstition, people will take the extra precaution by adding these iron chain linked chains basically uh around the graves to help keep the spirit uh, or the entity whatever within the grave site and we did end up finding a fresh grave there from 2020 as well which was interesting in itself because it is an older cemetery um that was the newest grave that i think maybe the mid 90s was the the other Old or youngest graves there, um, yeah. but yeah, we found those holes. Uh, there was a very interesting gravestone there made out of um, stones and see, almost seemed like crystals of some kind. Um, Eric saw this stick stabbed into the ground, and we speculated vampire, which of course not, but. It was interesting just to see a random stick stabbed into the ground. But we also uh, don't know unless we ask them. And, I mean, <laughs> a little hard to do that without getting arrested. <laughs> right. Um, but again, no recordings. Uh, or, or no captured EVPs, rather. Uh, no captured pictures of any kind. So 
all in all, Sims was a very interesting investigation. Um, unfortunately, we did not get as much evidence as we were hoping on our first time out again. Right. But that is what it is. Um, I think we'll take a quick break. We do have one small part to the investigation for close to here in Bismarck, but you're going to hear Eric's random fact of the day, a quick break, and we will be back with our investigation at St. Mary's Cemetery right after this. Now, Eric's random fact of the day. Did you know that Galileo Galilei is often incorrectly credited with the invention of the telescope? After some newer evidence, historians now believe that the Dutch eyeglass maker, Johannes Lippershey, is the original creator of the optical instrument. However, Galileo still gets the credit for being the first person to use the historic device to study the heavens. This was Eric's random fact of the day. I'm a grown-up. Me too. Yep, me too. But you know, these days, being a grown-up can really suck. Luckily, we're grown-ups who grew up in the coolest generation. We had video arcades. And also some of the best TV and movies ever made. We lived the origin of awesome consumer electronics. The list goes on and on. Yep, Generation X. Exactly. And we're Gen X Grown-Up. Every week, the Gen X Grown-Up podcast explores media, tech, toys, games, and more from both yesterday and today. Through the eyes of Generation Xers who absolutely love that stuff. You can find us on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. Or find us on our website, genxgrownup.com. Alright, you think that was good enough? I I hope so, man. I'm tired. (laughs) Who listens to a promo on a podcast and then goes and listens to a different podcast? I've never done it. Hey everyone, I'm Kat Ward, host of Paranormal Heart. Join me on the second and last Sunday of each month as I speak to people who share their paranormal experiences. We talk about ghosts, cryptids, aliens and UFOs, and so much more. You can follow me on Podbean, YouTube, iTunes, Spotify, and any place you find fine podcasts. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to Paratruth Radio. My name is Eric. And I'm Justin. We were just talking about Sims North Dakota. Sims North Dakota. Oh, my gosh. (laughs) Wow. Kind of a tongue (laughs) twister. (laughs) Sims North Dakota. uh, And our investigation there. You know, it, it was more so a personal experience type of investigation. We didn't collect any evidence uh, visually, nor through our digital digital voice recorder. Unfortunately, um, we didn't have an EMF reader because, mind you, this was our first investigation back, at least for me, in years. So, yeah, it's been a know, really long time for me too, and I sold all my equipment. So right, um, but you know what's interesting about this whole thing because we did that one investigation, which turned into like four more after that, like four. <laughs> 
three or four more after that. So now we're, of course, looking into more equipment because <laughs> this is going to become a regular thing again. Um, but yeah, so, you know, we didn't find anything visually or um, well, basically we didn't capture any evidence, but we did have experiences and those experiences uh, were able to, in my opinion, at least help uh, solidify some of the answers that we might have had, you know, for example, Justin's feeling something and doesn't say anything, but then I felt something. So now we know, okay, well, you feel something, I feel something, neither of us have discussed it prior, then maybe there's something here, right? It kind of helps uh, to bring some of that evidence to light, at least for your own personal experiences. And that's something I think you need to do in a paranormal investigation of your own. When you're out, don't always talk to your fellow uh, investigators. You know, you don't always want to do that. You kind of want to go right. out, feel something, you know, if you feel something, keep quiet for a little while, wait to see if someone else feels it. And then as you leave or about to leave, then bring it up, you know, because maybe they're in the same boat. Maybe they felt it, but they're waiting for you. But hold on to it a little bit, because if if you say, hey, do you feel this? They might feel it just because their mind is already like, oh, I want to feel it. People who feel cold spots, those cold spots aren't always cold. Someone might feel a cold spot because they're just chilly. Their body temperature is lower right. or higher than the other person. Uh, but the other person might feel it because their mindset is telling them, oh, it, they're feeling something cold. It has to be cold. And they're tricked into believing it's cold when it's not. Uh, so, yeah, you know, a lot of there's a lot of thinking when, when you're investigating, you know, just understanding your own body uh, and being aware of your surroundings. Right. Yeah. Well, yeah. Influencing somebody is something you don't want to do on an investigation. Absolutely. Um, and that's why when I was feeling sick to my stomach, you hadn't said anything at all about feeling anything. So I had brought it up and you're like, yeah, I've got nothing. <laughs> so I yeah. was like, okay. <laughs> um, but yeah, um, I, I would really like to go back out with a little more equipment, um, at least an EMF detector, maybe a spirit box with a portal, um, not a spiritual portal, the portal for the ghost spirit box guys. Um, but yeah, it was, if nothing else, it was just really interesting, uh, really fun to get back into the game and, um, to just to have experiences for the first time, I thought was a plus for us. So, right. Yeah. So after that one, we came home, kind of did our thing for a little bit. And then we're like, you know what? Let's do one more. Uh, supposedly. And I don't know if this is just rumor, but supposedly there, the cemetery one we went to go see, had a link to uh, Satanistic rituals or or something like that, or uh, Satan worship of some kind in in the grave, the cemetery. Um, so we decided to go down there. Now, there's a lot of people that will say don't do an investigation in a, in a cemetery. Two reasons: first off, it's the most cliche thing you can ever think of is to do a paranormal investigation in a cemetery. Of course, there's possibly spirits there. There's dead people there. Uh, two, they say that um, you don't want to, to disturb people's peaceful slumber, 
quote unquote. Um, but we did. Uh, we went down there. Um, we really didn't ask any questions at this one. We were just kind of recording and talking. Uh, we didn't catch, again, didn't catch anything on audio evidence, no pictures. Uh, my wife, Shelly, went with us, and she was trying to make Eric think he was being touched, trying to make me think we were I was being touched. Appropriately touched. <laughs> Just want to make sure we throw that out there. um but uh we did have kind of a weird experience there um and this is kind of also backed out uh, backed up by a friend of ours who had a similar experience with this uh we'll call it person and uh so we're we're walking around the cemetery um i we all saw this this lady before we had any interactions with her. Right. Right. Um, so there's this other lady walking around the cemetery. Uh, we started to come up close on her and I really didn't notice anything until Shelly said something. I I did hear her say something, but I didn't know what it was. Um, and then Shelly turns to us and she's like, you saw that, right? I was like, no, what? So, (laughs) Eric's like, yeah, I saw it, um, but I had heard the lady. I I just didn't see her. Um, so I guess she got upset, screamed "what," and then walked away. I don't know if she was like murmuring to herself or somebody else that wasn't there or what, but she like ran. I shouldn't say ran. Quickly walked away from us, and then just kept uh, kept staring us down. So we start walking away from her, kind of glancing back here and there, just making sure she's not creeping on us about to stab us in our back or anything. Um, And we see a friend of ours uh, in his truck. Uh, He's just sitting there in the cemetery. So we start talking to him and talking about this lady that we've seen there. And he's like, oh yeah, uh, I was driving along and she came up and just stopped right in front of me. So I had to stop and honk at her and she just glared at me and she wouldn't move and she wouldn't move. And she finally just started walking away. Um, cannot say that it was paranormal because multiple people did see it. Doesn't mean this woman wasn't paranormal possibly, but she was gone by the time we got back to our car. Uh, have not seen I uh Shelly and I went back to the cemetery to kind of see if maybe she was kind of skulking around there again did not see her um Shelly and I have kind of jokingly said maybe she was a spirit uh in a sense possibly because even though she was seen by multiple people that's not to say that a spirit has not been seen by multiple people that's where a lot of these legends come from but it is also the cemetery is also by an assisted living slash nursing home. Not sure if it was a woman that kind of walked out and was roaming the cemetery. Not sure if it was a woman high on something. Um, Shelly speculated maybe she was possessed. 
possibly. Uh, but nevertheless, just a really, really weird experience. Um, and I didn't really feel anything there. Eric, you did not feel anything there, right? No, I did not. So just a weird experience, not necessarily a paranormal experience. But weird. (laughs) It was weird. So, yeah, overall, I I was at least just happy to get out and do something other than sit at home, go do an investigation because it's been a really long time. Um, any other uh, thoughts or opinions or feelings that I'm leaving out? Um, no, I don't think so. I mean, the, the one thing in regarding this woman... I mean, I'm assuming it was a person. There was no, like, like you could see her very clearly. There was, there was no, right. uh, you know, uh, translucency to her or anything like that. Not that spirits can't appear in full form. Um, but she did seem odd. Now, that's not to say she just wasn't an odd woman. It's very possible. Uh, she seemed to leave the grave that she was looking at when she saw us. That's when she said, what? And then later, after we were a good enough distance, she came back to that same exact grave and then stood there for a while uh, before disappearing. Now, I quote unquote disappearing. She just vanished from our eyes because we <laughs> turned our attention elsewhere and when we looked back. But <clears throat> one thing I do want to mention, because there was something else happening there at the same time uh, that, that this woman kind of acted the way she did. And it has nothing to do with this woman. Uh, but nonetheless, I think something that you and I could talk about a little, little bit here, because it does come from energy again, a, a source of energy for spirits, um, because it was raining. Not that the rain will give energy to the spirits, despite being water. Uh, we've already talked about that. But in the distance, there was a thunderstorm approaching, and there was a lot of lightning. Mm. And the negative ions within lightning storms, uh, they do provide energy for spiritual activity. So there is a possibility even still that if this woman was a spirit, maybe she could manifest herself in more of a physical form because of the added energy provided by the thunderstorm several miles away. Yeah. Uh, I Actually, I kind of forgot that it, we had that going on. Eric actually caught a very cool picture of a lightning bolt off in the distance because he was recording and then snapped a picture at the same time. Um, so yeah, I, I, I'm not saying she was a spirit. I I honestly feel she was just a little bit of a kooky person. Um, but if it were a spirit, she was going back to the same gravestone. Could have been a family member, of course, if she was a physical live person. Um, if, by chance, she was a spirit that multiple people saw. She could could have been going back to her own grave, um, somebody she knew, stuff like that. So, uh, really, it's it's a lot of speculation just because it was a weird, very very weird experience. Um, but I personally think it was a real person. I'm assuming you do the same agreed 
<laughs> so, but it, it was just weird. Uh, she got very antsy about us walking close to whatever this grave was that she was at. Uh, screamed at us. And then walked back after we left. So it's just a very odd thing. Um, so yeah, that's pretty much it. Uh, unfortunately, we did not get the evidence that we were hoping for. Uh, again, I think we might follow up again when Eric is out here. Uh, as soon as I'm able to get out to Ohio, we do plan on doing investigations out there as well because there are a couple of spots that I've never been to, uh, or I should say one specific spot, Squire's Castle, and Eric has been there. Um, there's a bridge that his mom told us about, which I would love to go and do an investigation there. And we do have two other investigations to talk about from here in North Dakota. So I'm, we're going to get through this evidence for uh, Riverside Cemetery. Um, we may just pair Riverside Cemetery and Trollwood Park together. It just depends on uh, what evidence we get to. Uh, one thing that I am very proud of Eric and I is we did kind of debunk a tale about the Riverside Cemetery, and we will we'll get into that in the next episode. But I was like reading through these different accounts of what the experiences are there and to me didn't jump to the first conclusion by saying it was paranormal because unfortunately when we first started Eric was very the much more level-headed person where I was always jumping to it that sounds like something to me that looks like something to me um and Eric finally would look through the evidence that I'm like, no, there's, there's gotta be something there. And he would put it through some filters and stuff. And it's like, no, there's, there's nothing there. I'm like, dang it. And then and now, you know, when, when he does it, he actually knows what he's looking for and not looking for. So when I listen <laughs> to it, it's just a waste of my time because he did it correctly <laughs> the first time. <laughs> yeah. But at the same time, <laughs> You might catch something that I don't. Um, Correct. When Eric was listening through this evidence for this episode, he had heard a howling. Um, but like I said, it was very windy, but he did, hadn't heard any howling of the wind before that. I hadn't either. Um, I actually didn't really pay attention to it when I listened to the this evidence, but I went back through it and I'm like, yeah, that's just wind howling. Um, so it is good to go back and forth with somebody. I, I hope that you're doing an investigation at least with one other person because it is very dangerous to do it by yourself. Um, so the, the last thing I do have to say is if you're doing investigations, any investigations, and I've said this in the past couple episodes, uh, just be safe, make sure that you're doing it with somebody else. Make sure people know where you are just because if you do get hurt or something happens, people know where to find you. Um, unless, of course, you're dragged away by a hellhound and then they're never going to find you again. But wow, what yeah. a great way to hit the show. <laughs> <laughs> 
but yeah, definitely stay tuned to all the stuff that we've got coming. Uh, we've got the two investigations to go through. Uh, that'll pretty much get us to the beginning of July. Um, we do have another interesting topic to talk about after that. Eric's got some uh, documentaries to put out. And we have some paramixologies coming out very soon as well. Mm-hmm. So pay attention to the Paratruth YouTube channel. Um, yeah, that's pretty much it. So make sure you're listening to everybody on New Lantern Media, which is Paratruth Radio, Beyond Reason, Truth Fox, uh, Let's Talk About It, and Paranormal Heart. And that's it, folks. So until next week, where you will find us same time, same channel. My name is Justin. And I'm Eric. Peace. This is And I'm Joe. And and we're we're the the Professional Professional Book Book Nerds. Nerds. Two Mondays a month, we interview authors and talk about their upcoming books, what drives them, and their go-to order at the cafe. On Thursdays, we share recommendations and dive into topics readers face, like how do I actually read the books on my to-be-read list? You can find the Professional Book Nerds podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Want to learn more about us? Our website is professionalbooknerds.com, and you can find us on Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok at ProBookNerds. We hope you'll come and listen, and as always, happy happy reading. reading!